Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by our friends over at Duke's Mayo. We have a huge episode for you guys today, literally KG and figuratively. As you guys know, each and every episode, we're going to be breaking down ACC bowl games. We knocked out three last episode and we're going to crank it back up today with the Fenway Bowl, which is played in a baseball field in Boston, Massachusetts, and then the Holiday Bowl, which will be played on a baseball field in San Diego. Uh, one of these feels a little bit better weather-wise, KG, uh, but I, I don't understand. Are we playing baseball or football? I'm very confused by these two uh, th- these two places here. These are things that we're not meant to understand, Eric McLean, is what goes into planning these bowls and, and why we have a Fenway Bowl. Well, obviously, if you're going to have a Fenway Bowl, you're going to play in Fenway, Fenway Park, but <laughs> why are we doing that? I don't know. Why do you go all the way to San Diego and play in a baseball stadium? But you know what? That's what we're doing in bowl games these days. And as I said on, on a previous episode we did, I don't care where you play. You, I, I could play in the, the parking lot of a McDonald's, but if I'm in San Diego, I'm happy because San Diego <laughs> is amazing. That's right. And, and a huge part of this been helping us break down uh, the, this bowl that is in San Diego, the Holiday Bowl, is going to be for the first time ever to Duke's Mayo Guest of the Week, NC State stud offensive lineman, Ikim Ikwanu and Grant Gibson. Guys, this was a fantastic interview. You're going to love to hear it later in the episode. Mac, I know you're fired up to talk with your guys, and I say your guys because there's some sort of crazy, some would say creepy, bond that offensive <laughs> linemen have where you just, you know, you see one another and you have this instant connection. We'll get to those guys in just a second, but let's start with some of the big news in the ACC around the football landscape, Mac. Tony Elliott, hired by Virginia. He is leaving Clemson. And it seemed at some point he wasn't going to take the Virginia job, and then he did. Virginia decided to start spending some more money, according to reports. That's a very good sign for Virginia and for Tony Elliott. But, Mac, you played for Tony Elliott. He was a position coach at Clemson when you were playing at Clemson, and he started to call plays towards the end of your career. What does this mean, A, for Clemson, and what does it mean for Virginia? Yeah, well, for starters, I want to start with with what it means for Tony and the fact that I think this is a, a grand slam, not just a home run. I, I think it's an awesome hire. I think that it makes a lot of sense and and just the person that you know Tony is. When when we talk about some of these schools, fit is so important. It, it matters, and I think that this fit is tremendous. The fact that you know Coach Elliott will understand what it takes to be a coach at such a you know high level education situation. You know, when you look at a a university like Virginia where their standards are a little bit higher than other schools across the country. And by the way, he was an engineer. So he knows that. He knows the standard that is going to be set in the classroom and then of course on the field. But you know, couldn't be more happy for him, Tamika, uh his his two sons as they travel up to Charlottesville to to be the new uh you know kind of first lady and and uh you know El Presidente, if you will, of Virginia. So <laughs> excited for those guys and and just the opportunity uh, that that is going to come with. When you look at Clemson, um, what a weird thing to be dealing with. You yeah. lose your athletic director. You lose your defensive coordinator. You lose your offensive coordinator. Um, it, this is going to be fascinating to see what does Clemson do moving forward. And, and I think this is now the realm, and I know that this this is not a Clemson 
episode, guys. So bear with me here for a second. This is going to moving forward really show is Coach Dabo Sweeney one of the best all time? You know, because now he's dealing with this adversity. He's going through these changes. He's having to do the necessary things a la Nick Saban in Alabama and the things that they are able to do year in and year out and still perform at a very high level. So I can't wait to see it. I, I was actually going back and forth with Coach about this and pretty much to sum up his you know, text was that he's excited mm-hmm. about this opportunity and the future moving forward. I think Dabo is seeing it as a challenge where he can prove himself all over again. He's won two national titles. He doesn't really have much else to prove. But this is also a very unique situation because Nick Saban has kind of changed our expectation of head coaches. There are a lot of great head coaches from past eras of college football that did have continuity in their offensive and defensive coordinators that weren't replacing guys all the time. Guys didn't leave as much as they did in past decades, mainly because you weren't going to leave and get paid $6 million out of nowhere. So a lot of coordinators stayed. And that was what was so rare about Clemson in this day and age that all those guys had stayed there for so long. It's not normal to have to replace your coordinator every year. That's what Nick Saban does. But it almost feels like now we're asking, well, Saban can do it. Can Dabo do it? Can he do this? Can he prove to us that he can do this? Which to me is a, is a, kind of an odd comparison, but the main story here is if Clemson wants to stay at the top, if Dabo wants to stay at the top, he's going to have to rebuild without these guys and almost build a, a new and improved 2.0, if you will, version of Clemson. And, and you know, I, I think is what's really interesting too is some things that you know, folks have reached out to me and that I've seen on social media is, you know, what's going on? What's wrong yeah. with Clemson? Why is everybody leaving? And I, I mean, when you let, really break it down and you look at it, okay, let's start with, uh, you know, Coach Venables there. The, the picture perfect situation, one that probably never would have happened, one that you cannot turn down. You know, I, I don't think that, you know, over the course of his, you know, defensive coordinator career, he has wanted to be a head coach. But when home calls, when mama calls, you answer and, and you, you take that opportunity. I think this is a tremendous opportunity for him. Uh, Dan Radakovich, you know, everything that we're hearing is that he is going to be the highest paid athletic director in all of Power Five. Common sense. What would you do? Everybody would leave at that. And now with Coach Tony Elliott, we've known this for a couple of years now that, that he's been waiting on the right, right opportunity that he wants to take. He turned so it's down not Tennessee. This, it, right. It, it just happened to be this mass exodus at the same time. It, it's funny that people want to, you know, pick and prod and, and say what they will about the program. Clemson will be just fine. That They're going to hire in-house, I'm sure, because that's what they do. They have this plan, the succession plan. And whether people are going to be excited about it or not, uh, Coach Dabo Sweeney has been basically interviewing these guys for who he thinks will be next when things like this happen for probably the last four or five years. And so he's going to feel really comfortable. I hope we get to figure it out officially soon and can talk about it and really dive into that. But it's going to be something really to keep everybody's eye on as we go into this, uh, you know, this off season. You know Dabo very well, Mac. I know him decently well. I would say one of Dabo's favorite things in all of the world is being doubted. He loves <laughs> <right>. it. <laughs> He, it's he be a lives great off, off season of it. for him. That's right. It's his That's fuel. Right. It's what gets him up in the morning. So I'm, I'm excited to see how he handles it. Max, speaking of Virginia and speaking of Tony Elliott, who will be taking over at UVA, before we get into our conversation with these NC State offensive linemen, a.k.a. Max's best friends, let's talk about Virginia and SMU in the Fenway Bowl and preview this game. 11 a.m. kick. That is early. 
ESPN, December 29th. Virginia's a one-and-a-half-point favorite, keep in mind as well. That's a 10 a.m. local time kick for SMU. I know they're going to be out there for a couple days, but that's a that's an early time in the morning to get hit. I'll just put it that way, Mac. you got to get up very early. So what, what are your initial thoughts on Virginia SMU? Yeah, really. I mean, for starters, who's going to play? I mean, that, that's right. going to be kind of our, our asterisk for every single bowl game, it seems like, which kind of stinks. But yeah, honestly, it's the day and age that we're in. Um, but when you look at it, two of the most productive quarterbacks in the country with Mordecai at, at SMU and Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. So if those guys play, I mean, look out. It's going to be and fireworks. They should, High, right? They should. They yeah. absolutely should. Especially with, I'm not sure what Mordecai's aspirations are for NFL or if he signed with an agent and you know, doesn't want to get hurt, whatever. But I mean, Brennan is auditioning here. And, and you know, kind of like what we, what we talk about with new offensive coaches, new head coaches, you're putting on a show and uh, if you want to stay. So it's going to be really interesting to see the decisions that are made there. But two high-powered offense, a lot of points. Uh, this is going to be our type of a ball game, KG, when, when you see it, guys going back and forth. So with all that said, I, I think it truly does come down to who plays. And I reached out to a couple of folks from Virginia who cover you know, the Cavaliers there and just said, hey, do you kind of have a, a running list of, of who's out, who's in? And they said, well, it's it's a little bit interesting because of the coaching change. Apparently, it has been said that, you know, guys that might even be in the transfer portal or might have said that they're leaving may still play just because they want to be with Bronco. They want to be in this last game with Bronco. So oh, I have no clue. Uh, until they run out there, I don't think we're going to know. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, for Virginia specifically, who's available and who does play in this game. That's that is such a fascinating storyline here because Bronco is coaching this game. Right. And the vibe that I've gotten from a lot of Broncos players, we had Charles Snowden on last year. They love Bronco. And so yeah. there's going to be a lot of motivation to win this one for Bronco. So you have that part and then you have the part of trying to impress your new head coach. Mac, you I saw a quote from you. I'm sure you've been doing a lot of media availability over this because you're a big superstar, but for the Virginia fans who are tuning in, and perhaps some Virginia players are tuning in. What is it like to play for Tony Elliott? Give give me a, a quick crash course on Tony Elliott, the coach. Yeah, well, the the thing that it was so exciting for me, and, and the fact that these you know young men of Virginia and staff members and and support staff, and hopefully you know people stick around the in, in those type of positions, is that he he cares about you outside of just being a football player. Like when when he looks at you, when he looks at Brennan Armstrong, he doesn't just see that number five you know, on his chest and, and okay, that's my quarterback. Like he sees the person and he wants to develop the person and into a, a better man, into a better one day husband, one day father, citizen of the community. So that to me was something that was so evident so quickly uh, when I met coach Tony Elliott. And then when he became coordinator and much, a much bigger uh, leadership role for my teams and in my senior year there that I don't know. It, it was such just a almost a breath of fresh air that you, when you deal with somebody at that level at this you know big a university that that's what they care about. And, and so I think that Virginia is going to love that. I think that they really are. And he's he's a genius. I mean, this is a guy that was the Broyles Award winner in 2017. A guy that was 89 and 11 as an offensive coordinator at Clemson. Two national championships. Unbelievable NFL talent that he has helped coach. Uh, in the NFL and one of the best backs in, in ACC history, if not the best running back in ACC history. So the guy can recruit, he can evaluate talent, he can develop talent, 
And then he's going to put together game plans and have a staff around him that's going to put together exciting, fun game plans that you know are going to get these guys ready for the next level. So it's going to be fantastic to watch. And, and I think that's why players need to really look at this game as an audition, as a, hey, coach, I want to be here. I want to play this game. This is what I can do. You know, in a day and age where everybody wants to just jump ship and, oh, man, it's not going my way. I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else. Stay where you are, work hard, and make something happen. And, and you have a really good opportunity to do that in this bowl game, KG. So I can't wait to see it. I, I hope that these players are aware of that and think about that and you know, really go out there, play for themselves, but also play for the future. So it's going to be really fun to see. Mac is preaching. He's preaching right now, y'all. <laughs> what worries me about this game overall, Mac, and what concerns me about Virginia has been their defense all season. We've talked about it. I would love to just see more balance from Virginia in the coming years. It, it's it's nice to have an offense that can score 35 or 40, but when you can't stop anyone, you're kind of wasting that offense in some respects. And so when you look at SMU, SMU has a very good offense. They're one of the best scoring offenses in the American. They're best in the American and third down conversion rate. They They stay on the field. They move the chains. That worries me for Virginia's defense. But on the flip side, Mac, SMU is dead last in the American in passing defense. So this could be a high-scoring game in Fenway, way more points than they see in that baseball stadium normal. <laughs> That's right, KG. And, and, you know, when you just look at the, the matchup, as you said there, you know, Virginia, you know, they just can't stop anybody anyway on defense. You know, sometimes there's turnovers that they get. Sometimes there's there's the ball bounces a weird way and they're able to get a stop. But, man, the, the positive thing is that SMU wants to throw it. And if you can just go throw for throw and keep up with each other, that's great. It gets a little lopsided, a little one-sided when you know one team is particularly good at running, uh, and, and really neither of these teams in in this matchup want to do yeah. that. They want to throw it, they want to air it out, and really get this thing going. Matt, give me your key to this game if Virginia is going to win the Fenway Bowl. Yeah, I'm being a little sarcastic here, KG. But you know, do they have enough guys to Who play plays? on each side of the ball? I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's it's hard to sit here and give you a key when I don't even know who's available. I don't even know who's going to show up, and so it, it's going to be, you know, just honestly funny, you know, to see is is there is there 22 guys that can run out there, one on you know the defensive side of the ball, one unit on offense. But you know, at the end of the day, you got to protect Brendan if he plays, give him time to throw and just let him cook. So I hope that's what this turns into. I hope, again, that, that that's what we see. And, and I just keep going back to this transfer portal, KG. I, I don't I, – I think the market will eventually reset itself. Like, right now, guys can, guys can move more freely than they ever have. And so I think we're seeing a lot of guys take advantage of that opportunity. Take advantage might be the wrong word. It, it actually physically makes me ill, Kelly, when I'm looking on Twitter – I'm looking at where these guys are transferring from and to, and, and I saw one example the other day. A, a young man is leaving NC State. Defensive tackle, I think he's a sophomore. He's leaving NC State to go to like West Palm Community University, Florida. Like D2, they just got a football team. They're like the 500th university in the nation, and they just left NC State that was 60. Like, what are you doing? Why are you excited about that? Like, suck it up. Figure it out and bloom where you're planted. Mm. These guys just are, they're leaving places that they don't understand to go where? To go to a D3 school? Right. To go to a D, like, understand that you're making a very big decision that you're taking away 
from the 40-year decision. Like you are limiting yourself so much by leaving a great institution, a great university, a great college to go trade an NFL dream. Like nobody's been drafted from there. Like what are you thinking? If you have to leave, you're probably not good enough to play at the next level. So there's a reason for that. So I, I certainly think the transfer portal is a good thing and it can be used the right way. But right now it's, it's just, it absolutely isn't. Correct. And, and uh, it worries me the, the kind of advice that some of these guys are getting. Exactly. And they're making very important decisions for their future at 18, 19, 20, whatever it is. Mac, the other thing here, I think my key here is the motivation with Bronco because SMU is also going through a coaching change. So you've got two coaching changes. Both these programs are really in flux. So if Virginia can bring that let's win one for Bronco kind of attitude, that could be a big difference maker. Mac, it is... We will get to our picks in our Seaside Pick segment later on in this episode, so stay tuned for our Virginia SMU pick. But it is now time to get to your conversation with two of our favorite offensive linemen in the country, Big Icky and Grant Gibson. Grant is a two-time captain and actually just announced he'll be coming back, so I imagine he will soon be a three-time captain for the Wolfpack, an all-ACC performer who is the glue that keeps this stout offensive line together. And then we have Ikem Ikwanu. Big Icky was named the most feared lineman in the conference by The Athletic. They can go ahead and put in America instead. This guy's a monster. Named first team All-American by many different groups. He had 19 knockdowns, 67 pancakes. Sounds amazing. All the while only giving up two sacks in 819 snaps. I know Mac had a ton of fun with these guys, so let's get to the interview. Y'all honestly do not know how excited I am for this conversation today. Two of my absolute favorites. We've got Brother Gibson and Big Icky. Thank y'all so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Appreciate you. Good to be here. So, so Grant, I've got to start with you, man, because I just saw on Twitter the other day, you're out here hustling, Bojangles, you're getting after it. Is that just a, a free food play or are you doing a deal with these guys? What does that look like? So I have a little deal with them, um, but like, honestly, like that's one of my top places to eat at. So when I first had the chance to do it, I was like, listen, I'm all in. Um, And I did did get some free food from it too. So it was good. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Ick, I I always see you with the, uh, the protective helmet joints. Is that, is that just because you break them all the time? So like, man, we got to get this guy on here. How'd that come about? Uh, no. So, uh, one of the guys, uh, that's part of that company, his name's John, he knows our head trainer, Justin. And so, uh, they kind of just had some conversations. They wanted to kind of get into the NIL space and, uh, they were kind of looking at me and yeah, it kind of just, kind of just happened like that. It was, it was pretty simple, pretty easy how it happened, but yeah. It's I'm a not, pretty good hey, look, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. How about e- either of y'all? Have we gotten a syrup deal done yet? I mean, it seems like a missed opportunity if we haven't. Definitely. It is. It is. <laughs> so uh, neither one of you, nobody's gotten one yet. I don't have one either. Oh. <laughs> if y'all need agents, listen. Just <laughs> let me know. Let me know, Ricky. Yes, sir. I'd be like real, like like low key with the nil stuff. So I don't really like put myself out there as much. But I feel like if we really try to get one, we probably could. Nah, I, f- I feel that for sure. All right, how about favorites? Sir, if there was a brand that we were going after, uh, Grant, let's start with you first. What, what's your What's your number one, man? Mom's making pancakes. Grandma's making pancakes. What syrup are we putting on there? Aunt Jemima, easily. Honestly, it was, I don't know why I asked. I should have led <laughs> with that because that's my number one. I have Aunt Jemima, Miss yeah. Buttersworth, and then Log Cabin, which is, I think, average, man. Like, that's if you have to do Log Cabin, it's not a good day. 
So like, that's the only thing that I've ever used. Like, that's the only thing that my mom buys. So if I use anything else, it doesn't even taste right. I, I understand. Icky, how about you? Same, same order? I'll probably go uh, answer mama first. And then I'll probably go to IHOP, butter pecan syrup. Got to be up there. Okay. <laughs> I forgot about IHOP. I had no forget about there. Got to be up there for sure. So the the secret brand. Have you guys ever had like a like a pure like straight from the tree maple syrup before? Have y'all ever had either of y'all ever had that like high quality? No, I haven't. But I want to try it though because I heard that it's like the 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 best thing ever. It it doesn't even taste like syrup, guys. It's like it's something else. I had some of that. So a friend brought it down. I was like, what is this? This is crazy. I think this is one restaurant called Another Broken Egg Cafe. And I tried it in uh, Charlotte. And I think it's supposed to have like 100% real maple syrup. I know it tastes different, but that's probably up there too. <laughs> is it, it, well, what do you think? Does it take number one for you or no no contest still? I don't know. The butter pecan from my hop really might be number one. <laughs> oh, he's, cha- he's changing on us, G. He's changing. <laughs> Yeah, gotta be up there. Listen, y'all are y'all are listening to live discussions, live just guys changing their mind on the whim. I love it. I love it, Icky. Well, I want to stay there because as I was kind of preparing for this conversation and excited to talk with you guys, I was looking at your stats and, and I've got to ask you, I've never seen it spread out this way before. So I saw KD, which I assume is knockdowns, and then I mm-hmm. saw PAN, which I assume is pancake. Yeah. What the heck is the difference? Can y'all define this for me? To, to me, it's the same thing, but can y'all define it for me? So the debates that we have about if it's a pancake or a knockdown, they can go on forever. It's kind of yeah. up there. It just depends. Well, I got to hear, because listen, y'all's pancake numbers are off the charts. The knockdown numbers are a little lower. Like pancakes, Icky, you have 154 for your career. Gee, you're right at 79. But then like the knockdowns are are a little bit lower. So I've got I've to know, like what counts as what? I think a pancake is like a devastating block. Like if you shove dude, he goes to the floor, that's a pancake. Or if you dry block someone into the ground, that's a pancake. Okay. And I think knockdowns are more like the snatch block, you know, in pass pro, the little snatch technique. And then cut blocks, I think, are knockdowns. Okay. Okay. But I feel like Coach kind of changes it. Sometimes he might count a pancake as a knockdown <laughs> and back and forth. I think it needs to be just one big number. That's what I'm I'm with you. I'm with, okay. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Cause I was looking at that. I'm like, what does this mean? Like, what, what's the difference? So it's, it's coach Garrison's fault. Like I need to call him and say, gee, coach G, what are we doing? What are we doing? He probably has an idea in his head about what it means, but I don't know. I don't know if uh, the other guys know about it. Oh my goodness. So Icky, you have 154 pancakes. How many of bottles of syrup does that equate to that you have? Honestly, I think it might be more because the number that they give to the media, like when we go back and watch film, we always add like one or two. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bottles of syrup. Uh, I'm not sure what they did with the syrup my freshman and sophomore year, but it's okay. about this year for me, Grant, Chandler, Dylan, just Eason, a lot of speeds. A lot of people got bottles of syrup this year. So so do they give that? They give you one per pancake. I mean, you get if you had eight pancakes, you get eight bottles of syrup. So it's like our room right now is just filled with them. <laughs> I have them like we have a whole wall that's just for syrup. I mean, that we pride ourselves on every week is we want to get the most bottles, but Icky always gets the most. That's not even (laughs) (laughs) is that so. Talk to me about I mean, it that's pretty cool. Like, clearly, there is a point of emphasis on finishing the drill, crushing guys. I mean, is is that come all the way down from Coach Doran? Is that right with Coach Garrison? Like, when did you guys know, I guess, as you were being graded as you're playing in games that? okay, like we have to do this. It's not a question. Like we're going to crush dudes. 
Well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of just a mindset that we all pretty much had coming in. I feel like Coach Doran and Coach Garrison do a good job of recruiting guys that have that dog mindset to them. But I definitely feel like it's definitely, you know, a force. And it's definitely been, you know, placed up top, down, really, like an emphasis on it. Like the syrup bottles, handing that out in team meetings, that's not something that everybody does. And so it kind of just shows us that, you know, Coach Doran really appreciates our efforts, you know, and it just, you know, motivates us that much more. And then Coach Garrison keeping the energy up at practice, you know, making sure that we're always moving. You know, the rule, uh, even on pass pros, three steps up the field. You know, we always want to finish the play, uh, no matter if it's run or pass. So we kind of just carry that mindset into the games. It's right on with what Icky said. You know, like this came from Coach Doran and Coach Garrison, you know, because on the whole line, like we really don't have stats. Um, but pancakes for us just show like pure effort and pure just trying to hurt people. You know, um, and that's something that our offensive line room like that we all take seriously. Like we have this board that shows the pancakes per game, you know, like you want to make sure that your numbers are, are uh, high at the end of the year. But I think just, you know, just the team that we have um, and the standard that we have in our room, like you want to ju- just make sure that you get the most the most pancakes that you can like each week. I love that, man. If, if I was a recruit seeing that, I'm like, I want to be a part of this. It matters. It matters here. And just to hear it you know, from guys like yourselves and then your coaching staff, it seems like every time that we talk with Coach Dorn on ACC Network with the huddle, man, I'm talking about trench warfare and, and the guy, the job that you guys do up front, and he loves it. He truly does. Now, Icky, earlier this year, you were named the most feared lineman in the ACC. I, I said, look, scratch the ACC part. Go ahead and make that the country because you're just out here absolutely killing guys, mowing them down, and your punch, man, is just so powerful. Why are you so mean on the field? I don't understand because you seem like a nice guy. I, mean, I don't really know. I just always kind of been able to flip that switch when it came to football. You know, obviously, you know, in real life, there's not a lot of outlets you can have, you know, safe outlets to really let out your aggression. Football just giving me that opportunity to kind of just let out anything that's going on in my life, you know, whether that be academic stress, personal stress, anything. Just it gives me a platform. I can just lay it all on, on, the, on the field. So, yeah, I feel like I kind of just always had that mindset to me. Grant, do you do you ever watch film together or watch back and you maybe see a play and you're just like, bro, Icky, are, are you good? Like, do we need to talk about anything? Are you okay? Like, like I tell uh, uh, everybody this, like one of my favorite parts of the week is when we is when we get to watch the game because we can. I bet you that if you ask anybody on our team, then they'll say the same thing, because every time we turn on the tape, it's like, how did he do that? Like, he'll literally throw grown men five yards with ease and it looks like he just tapped them. But that, but that just goes to show how hard he's worked, you know, and just how much time and effort he's put in and just the mindset that he has. Like, Icky has earned everything that's going to come his way. Like, just to be able to see that up close, I mean, it's been special. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And just, you know, what you're saying right there, watching all you guys. I mean, one of my favorite offensive lines to watch each and every Sunday on tape is, is y'all, just because of the effort you play with, the tenacity that you just get after guys. And it's fun to watch. It looks like you're having fun playing football. Icky, with all that in mind, I don't think there's any question if you decide to leave this year that you're going to be a, a, a first-round draft pick, maybe a top-10 draft pick. I think you've put yourself in a really good position. Have you made that decision yet if you're leaving or, or coming back to school? Yeah, that's something I got to still, you know, talk to my family with. And that's kind of proud of it, I guess. But, yeah, I definitely, you know, I see, you know, the possibilities. And it's, whatever happens in the future, I'm just excited for it. What, what, what does that do for you, man? I mean, I couldn't even imagine – getting texts from buddies or family members or, or just being on Twitter or something and seeing my name and seeing a single digit next to it as when I'm going to get drafted. What, what does that feel like? I mean, it definitely feels good. You know, uh, 
it was definitely hard uh, during the season, kind of just trying to tune that out and just focusing on, you know, playing in college. But I mean, it's definitely, it feels like a blessing. You know, um, I feel like I just worked so hard to get to this point. And so to feel like I'm that close to reaching my goal, it just, it means everything to me. It's fantastic, man. Well, Grant, I, I want to focus on, you know, this Wolfpack team and, and the opportunity that you guys have in this bowl game to, to get double digit wins would be the second time ever in NC State's history. What would that mean to you and your your, your teammates to be able to com- accomplish something like that? Well, I mean, when we think about this team, like two years ago, we went four and eight. Uh, last year, we went eight and four. And now to get 10 wins, I mean, like that just speaks to how hard we worked as a team. And like, and I know for this team that it means the world to us that we can do something that no other team at NC State has done by getting the 10 wins. Um, and that's something that we've worked for, you know, this, just this whole year, you know, just all, all the tough things that we have had to overcome. I mean, it's going to play into this. And I think, you know, like we're going out there to win this game. Um, that's the main goal. And uh, that's what we want to do. I don't think there's any question about that. When, when I look back at this season specifically, again, just looking at the games and, and the fact that you guys had two losses by a combined four points. I mean, two possessions away from being 11 and one. I mean, what does that do motivation-wise, fuel-wise uh, for you going into this bowl season, both of you guys? And then, you know, going into 22, moving forward, I mean, w- will you look at that and say, we could have done it? We could have done this. We can do this with who we have moving forward. Look out. Um, like, I mean, it's like, I just think, you know, uh, when you look at the two games that, that, we, that we lost, like, to Miami and to Wake Forest, like, we were obviously hurt after those games. But we stuck to get like we stuck together as a team because um, there could have been times where we could have just been like, you know what, man, it's not going our way. But we kept fighting and we got back to work. And I think that's something about this team that guys don't know is how close we are. Like we spend time together all the time. Like we work hard, like we truly do care about everybody on our team. But like we also know that we can build off of this past year that we had for next year. You know, like I'm like, like it's a lot of guys on this team that could have left this year that are going to come back. Um, and I, and like, it's going to be, it's going to be great next year just to see how it unfolds. I don't think mm-hmm. there's any question about that. Icky, when, when I look at that Clemson game this past season, you, you balled out. I mean, it was one of your best games, three knockdowns, eight pancakes, a little discretion there. I'm going to just go with 11 pancakes uh, and, and probably the best defense that you guys saw all season. Walk me through that game from your eyes and, and really what it meant getting that big of a win over the Tigers. Yeah, it definitely it felt it felt special, you know, doing something that you know this program hasn't done in a in a really long time, getting that win against Clemson. I feel like it just meant so much to the community, meant so much to the fans, and it just I feel like it kind of just meant a lot to this team. You know, when you knock out the uh, reigning champ that early in the season, it kind of puts a whole another you know motivation, a whole another meaning to the season. And so I feel like it kind of just gave us a new energy. We were just really excited every week because we just knew that you know it was up for grabs and. We just thought that we could go and get, you know, achieve our dreams. So it was definitely exciting. Crazy seeing the uh, fans on the field. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was probably, awesome. It was crazy to see, man. It happened to me once in high school, but my high school wasn't that big. So seeing all those fans and grown adults and little kids, everything was uh, storming <laughs> the field. Crazy. Did anybody, did anybody steal your gloves or your, your wristbands or anything like that? Or what's people, the deal? People ask me for my gloves all the time, but I, I get my gloves taped on. So like I can't just take them off. That was always my excuse, bro. I just I just show them like I can't I can't give them to you. I'm sorry. I cannot get this off. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, gee, I mean, it had to be huge for you as well, right? I mean, when you you look at uh, those who don't know, excuse me, Grant, your grandfather 
Harvey Gant, first black student ever to enroll at Clemson. Uh, that has to be nice to have some bragging rights over Gramps, right? Yeah, look, it was nice, but he was actually there. Like, he was like, he's going to cheer for me because I'm on the field. Of course. But able to see that game. Um, like, I mean, it's like words can't ex- explain how good it felt at the end of that game. Like, we all were just – like, we felt like our hard work had paid off, you know. And, like, just after the game when the fans stormed the field, like, guys just threw their helmets. Like, I threw mine. I didn't know where it was. But, like, just pure joy just knowing that you, you finally got it done. But we know that we can do more next year. All right, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you guys about the bowl trip itself. Uh, are you looking forward going out to California, San Diego? Have either of you ever been there before? Uh, never. Yeah, I've never been to California. I only, I've had one opportunity to, but I had to miss it because of football. So yeah. it's nice being able to go there, you know, you know, be in that game. So, yeah, it's exciting. I hear that. Gee, when, when you look at these guys on tape, and, and maybe you haven't quite, you know, dove all the way into them yet, but – when you look at UCLA on film, what, what's the biggest thing that you guys are going to have to do up front against those guys? Well, I think the thing that uh, we need to do up front is because, first off, they are a great team. You know, they're eight and four. They play with some tough teams. Like, they like they play hard and they chase after the ball. They do a lot of stunts and games, and that's something that we have to be prepped for just going into the game. But, um, I mean, like, we're going to have so much fun out there. Like, I've never been that far west. Um, and just to, you know, get the chance to go out there with my teammates and just hearing all the things that we're going to get to do, it's going to be a fun time, but we're going out there with, with one goal and that's to win the game. And so I think that, uh, just over these next three weeks that we'll get prepped for the game and then we'll go out there and take care of business. I love that, man. Icky, when when you look at your quarterback, Devin Leary, I mean, super underrated this year and and maybe disrespects the right word. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think people are out here like trashing his name, but, you know, certainly wasn't involved in you know, some of the teams that he should have been, or maybe some of the awards in regards to semifinalists or finalists. He had an amazing year. What, what does he bring to practice, to preparation, and then, of course, in the game? What, what do you see from Devin Leary? Yeah, the thing about Devin, he's just always just so consistent. You know, he's the same person every day, and uh, it's just nice having that figure, you know, especially at quarterback. That's always consistent. That's always, you know, like just – he just provides so much structure to our offense. And like you said, I feel like uh, – Disrespected actually might be maybe the right word, but just knowing Devin, I just know he's just going to use that as motivation. It's going to be scary uh, next year for sure. All right. Really, I love really it. <laughs> I love it, man. Two, two more for you guys and, and really want both of you to answer here. Your defense is nasty. It's one of the best in the conference. I don't think people gave it enough credit going into it uh, th- this season. But, I mean, after I saw you guys in practice, you know, way back in, in you know, August, I was sitting here telling people, y'all, this is the team. They're flying around. They've got unbelievable talent. They're really special. What is it like going against those guys in practice? And, and maybe camp. I know everybody kind of got banged up at different times, but to go against Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, uh, uh, Drake, Drake Thomas, all these guys, what was it like to go against those linebackers each and every day in practice? It was great. And it kind of goes back to chemistry as well, because I feel like just the chemistry we had as a team allowed us to just go 100% uh, all the time and not, not have any hard feelings about it. So I thought the defense is one of the main reasons why we were successful on offense this year. Just all those guys and every every room in the defense is just is just special. And yeah, they, they definitely know how to how to get nasty when they need to, for sure. Those guys are some dogs all over the place. No, it's tough, though. Like, everybody on the defense for us is smart. Uh, the uh, linebackers, like, they'll call out plays and things like that. But, you know, the way that we compete on the, the field, like we're like we're, we're out there trying to help one another. 
because we understand that, you know, like we have to play good, but the defense has to play good well, as well. And so just dur- during camp and things like that, um, the way that we compete and play hard, like, I mean, it's like that helped us this year. Uh, like they helped us get, get better. And then just to see what they did on the field, like, like, like we're not shocked because we saw it firsthand during camp. Like we were like, yeah, they had the chance to be special. And even with the guys that went down, just to see the guys step up behind them and, and make plays as well. I mean, it was huge. And just to know that they stayed up prepped in, in case their number got called. Yeah, it's one thing, you know, when the defense cheats and they get our script and they know what plays we're going to run. But it's another when those guys are so experienced, they're so smart, they don't need it. They can just see what we're doing because we play so many times and they can kind of get in get in the way. I know that's difficult, but it makes us better. It makes us better at the end of the day because Saturday, the, those guys don't know it's coming. Last one for both of you. Uh, Grant, I want to hear from you first here. We, we played at NC, or excuse me, UNC Friday night. There was a point in the game where it seemed over. And even myself, I'll sit here and apologize for saying this. I said it, the game's over. Two touchdowns, there's no way. Unbelievable effort. Uh, there's no way that NC State can come back. You guys do it. You you have a massive win against your big-time rival. What did that feel like, Grant, to be in that moment, to get that huge victory and to send those guys home with an L? One thing about this team is that we don't ever quit. Like, if we still have time left on the clock, like, we're going to go play. Like, we do that drill all the time. It's called two-minute drill where they put us in some tough spots and we have to go score. And so when, and so we looked up at the clock, we were like, we still have time to, to uh, do this, but to do it in that fashion for the older guys that are done playing at state. I mean, that's something that I, that like, I won't ever forget. Um, you know, like it was just so, so cool to just win that way and to have the fans storm the field. That's something that I'll be an old man that I can tell my kids about, you know, um, but yeah, just for us to come back uh, when nobody thought that we that like that like we could win. I mean, that's NC State for you. You know, what I'm saying we just do things that nobody thinks that we can do. Yeah, same thing. It just it felt really good just getting that W just uh, in that fashion. You know, just and like Grant said, it kind of just shows that you know the character of this team that there's no quitting us. We're never going to give up ever. And it was just nice seeing you know Mecca make that play at the end of the game because um, you know I just feel like he's kind of just come full circle. You know. Uh, starting, you know, his freshman year, I think it was, you know, with the weight game, just how he's, I feel like he's kind of just been fighting, you know, just to make up for that. And I just feel like he really did. And, you know, for it to be, you know, when it potentially, you know, one of his last games, I, yeah, I think he's, he's done. So when his last game of, the, of his college career, just going out that, putting the team on his back, it just means so much, you know. And it's exciting to see Mech, you know, just ball like that. So it was a great game. What what gave you guys the confidence? This, this is for real my last one, I'm sorry. What gave you the confidence to know Grant, you said it. There, there's, there's still two minutes left. Like y'all better, y'all better relax. We, we got this. What gives you that confidence to understand that as long as there's time, we, we can win a football game? Devin Leary. Yeah, I was going, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say the same thing. Like, like when you a guy like him that just doesn't get rattled, like he was so calm. Um, I was like, all right, we're fine. Like he did this, did the same thing last year at Pitt when, when we had to go down and score. And just to see him not get thrown off, just be himself and just go make plays. Like, when I know that he's on the field, I know that we're going to win every time. Um, like, I'm not even concerned, but just him. And then just the guys on this team, like, just how close we were. I was like, we're going to fight until we can't fight anymore. And that's what we did. Yeah, this kind of goes back to the chemistry we had. Like, it was never a doubt. Even back in the uh, Clemson game, too, a lot of people, you know, 
probably would have thought that we were going to fold. You know, I even saw on Twitter, people had to delete some tweets or whatever, but, you know, they probably just thought <laughs> Not the deleted tweets. <laughs> they probably just thought, you know, just NC State, you know, just we just, we can't, you know, survive that long. And I feel like we proved time and time again this year and even a little bit last year that, you know, we're not a team that's going to quit. We're not a team that's ever out of it until, you know, the, the time's over with. That's the awesome. Album, he, he's yeah. He's got it, man. He's got that ice in his veins. Guys, this was so much fun. Thank you for your time. I don't know what the heck took me so long to get two offensive linemen on the same show, uh, but you guys have that chemistry, man. You've been so fun to watch all year long, and uh, keep up the great work. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Guys, wow. I mean, honestly, I'm not sure why I waited so long, Kelly, to propose that we have multiple offensive linemen on the podcast. Uh, so much fun. Yeah, so so much fun talking with those guys. Really, you know, understanding the difference between a pancake and a knockdown, further finding out that there actually is no difference, that it's the coach's discrepancy, and he might even be a little confused at when he gives what. Uh, but just hearing those two guys, there's no question – you know, why NC State has had the success that they had here. And, and really my favorite part probably of the entire interview was when I asked them, okay, when you're down, you know, at any point of the game and there's still time left on the clock, why are you guys so confident, a la that in, or UNC game, why are you so confident that you can come back and win? And without any hesitation, they both said, Devin Leary. And I was just like, there you go. He's, he's cold as dude. ice. He's that dude. He, he's that dude. So our Duke's Mayo guest of the week just absolutely killed it. KG, tell us a little bit about, about our great sponsor. Eugenia Duke of Greenville, South Carolina. Shout out. She made sandwiches in her home to sell to Army canteens back in World War I. They were so good. She had her homemade mayo on those sandwiches that soldiers wrote back to her begging for her recipe and for jars of that delectable spread. She began bottling it as a product and selling it way back in the 1920s. And here we are today. <laughs> Come on, KG. So if you guys missed out, I feel really bad for you. The Y'all Star Contest just ended this morning, 8 a.m. So if you're actually, if you're listening to this and it's like 4 a.m., you can still get into it, but it ended at 8 a.m. Monday morning. Uh, but Kelly and I have good news. We're going to have a couple of tickets as well, and we're going to be giving it away. We'll be hosting some type of competition. We're kind of we're kind of masterminding it up right now as how we want to do this. Most likely, it'll be on social media. So, guys, be on the lookout for that. A couple of great tickets to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. We can't wait to give it to you guys. And just remember, anytime you use Duke's Mayo, you are upping the twang factor in your tailgate. Yum. Dukesmayo.com. Get to their website today. North Carolina fans, tell other North Carolina fans to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, because giveaways are coming. Also, if you know any South Carolina fans, tell them. Mac and I know some. Tell them that we'll be giving away tickets. Also, South Carolina and North Carolina fans, stay tuned for some special guests with the Dukes Mayo Bowl coming up at a later date. Okay, Mac, let's get to the Holiday Bowl in beautiful San Diego, California. Number 18, NC State, taking on UCLA. 8 o'clock on Fox, December 28th. Right now, NC State is a one-point favorite. This is a huge opportunity, really, for both of these teams. But from our perspective, Mac, for NC State, a chance to win 10 games. This will only be their second 10-win season ever. That is just a baffling stat. They're going all the way out to California. UCLA can basically doesn't have to travel. They're just going down to San Diego, so that's a big factor. But 
something tells me after you talked with these O-linemen, we've talked with Devin Leary, this team's going to be focused and ready. They are fired up, KG. I mean, they fully understand what's at stake here. And that, that was one of the questions I asked is, okay, you have a chance to write history. You have a chance to do what only one other team ever in NC State history has done, and that's get the double-digit wins. And, and they are both very aware, and they're both very excited for the opportunity to be able to do that, uh, to travel to the great state of California. Neither guy had been there before, uh, so so Big Icky and Grant both really excited to, to have that opportunity to play in this bowl game and against a great opponent in UCLA who's a physical football team. Really why this is one of my favorite matchups, KG, of the bowl season for you know different ACC teams is that these are two teams that really are similar in the approach of who they want to be. They want to kind of be that smash mouth football, whether, you know, it's in pass pro pass pass pro isn't passive. You know, you can be very aggressive in the things that you do in pass protection or with UCLA wanting to run the football so effectively. And then on defense, both, you know, really wanting to shut down the run, not allowing anybody to run the football on them. So this is going to be a great matchup. Cannot wait to see it uh, really just fully dive into this game. And as you said, UCLA, definitely can run the ball better than NC State at this time. We've seen NC State morph in the beginning of the year. We were talking about their run game, and they have become truly a pass-first team. UCLA dead last in the Pac-12 in passing defense. So that is a very good sign for NC State. They, they <laughs> probably feel decently about being able to pass the ball. However, on the other side, UCLA is first in the Pac-12 in scoring offense, so they can score, and they're a little more balanced. So I think a lot of this will come down to Devin Leary, NC State executing, being able to run the ball at least a little bit, but not having turnovers from Leary and getting all of those really talented wide receivers involved. Yeah, you, you mentioned it, KG, that this NC State Wolfpack team has really morphed into a passing team. And a big reason why, you also just said it, Devin Leary. I mean, this guy is playing out of his mind, over 3,400 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, and just throwing five interceptions. And he has just... He's been on fire the last five games of the season, throwing four TDs or more in four of the last five. He's been so effective and efficient with his arm. It's been really fun to watch. So when you see that and you see, as you mentioned, the, the poor pass defense from UCLA, I just have to think those guys are licking their chops saying, all right, let's go out there. Let, let's get after it and, and uh, you know really have a, a big-time game here. One of the other things that I think was so interesting you know, about NC State looking forward uh, you know, these bowl games are are really a great kind of just way to look at the team as the future. Who are they going to be moving forward? But, you know, with, with NC State, they have so many guys coming back. Isaiah Moore, Peyton Wilson, Tanner Engel on the defense. That is a unbelievable core nucleus that they will bring, be bringing back. And then offensively, Devin Leary announced that he's coming back. Grant Gibson, KG, you mentioned earlier, he's coming back. So this team is going to be experienced. This team is going to be hungry. When you look at their season and the fact that they had two losses by a combined four points mm. and two, I mean, two possessions, they lose two games, one possession each, they're, they're going to be hungry going into 22. And you brought it up with, uh, you know, our, our great friend AA and said, are they the favorite going into next season? I think they certainly have to feel that way. I think they do have to feel that way, Mac. I think in their mind, that has to be their mindset, and that may already be their mindset. Their mindset might be right now, Mac, that they are the best team in the Atlantic, and they just happened to lose at Wake Forest in a game where they turned the ball over too much, and they beat Clemson earlier in the year. But I think this is where you get the momentum train going. 
if you don't win this game, and not that preseason votes matter or anything, Mac, but if you don't win this game, I think it'll be tougher for people to pick you to win the Atlantic in July. If you win this game, 10-win season, bringing everyone back, there's some question marks at these other programs in the Atlantic. You can cement yourself, uh, to, I think, as the favorite. But really what matters is this game, this moment, trying to get that 10th win. It means a lot to UCLA, too. They would finish 9-4 and four with a win here. They're trying to build under Chip Kelly. He's not taking the Oregon job because it's not 2007, everyone. <laughs> that was so ridiculous when I saw that. But this game means a lot to both. And, Mac, I really do think we won't see that many opt-outs in this game. This game, I, I feel like we know who's going to play on both sides. I agree. And, and there might be, you know, a star here or there that just feels like it's best in, in their interest to, you know, sit out this game barring injury. And we, we might see that, un, you know, kind of reveal itself in the next couple of weeks. But I'm with you. I mean, this one matters. And it's a great matchup. So can't wait to see it. And when you look at the keys, KG, for me – it's all about Devin Leary. It's all about protecting him and letting him cook. As I told you guys, he's thrown four TDs in four of the last five games, and you heard from Grant Gibson earlier. He's the key to success. We feel so confident with him as our quarterback that there's no way that we can lose a game. So if he's firing on all cylinders, look out. All right, Mac. It is time to make our seaside-grown fresh picks of the week. Before we get into these picks – there's a lot of home gating going on during bowl season. I know that you used some of the Seaside Grown products recently to cook up some food. There's so many great options. You've got the Bloody Mary mix, which is excellent in chili. And you have some other uses for it as well, Mac. <laughs> That's right, KG. And, and really, I tell you, I'm the biggest fan of the fish dust right now. We just did a low country mm. boil. It was unbelievable. Sprinkle that fish dust all over. Whatever you throw in there. I did some crab legs. I did some sausage, potatoes, shrimp. Uh, a little bit of onion. It was fantastic, guys. So I'm telling you, get rid of the Old Bay. Get the fish dust from Seaside Grown. It'll change your life. But the, the, that's what's so fun about it. There are 19 true field-to-glass Seaside Grown products that are made from the fresh produce Seaside Grown grows locally or that they partner with other American farmers. Guys, these products are then bottled in Seaside's very own commercial packing facility. By doing all of that, they provide un unprecedented traceability for consumers knowing exactly where the food is bottled and where it comes from. So guys, go to SeasideGrown.com, browse their amazing products, and when you load up your cart and you're ready to check out, use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your entire order. All right, Mac, speaking of picking yummy tomatoes for the Bloody Mary mix, let's pick some college football games. We've got two games to make picks on today. Let's start with the Fenway Bowl, Virginia versus SMU, 11 a.m. ESPN, December 29th. UVA is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Mac, what is your pick? Guys, I think if you can take insurance on this pick, you should, because I have no clue. I don't know who's playing. How can I pick this game? So in my heart of hearts, I'm taking Virginia straight up, but I just don't know. I don't know who's going to be out there. Do not bet any money on this game unless you're a degenerate and you just love to gamble and lose your money. So with that said, Kelly, I think I'm going to go over assuming that the quarterbacks both play. But other than that, I have no clue. But I'm picking Virginia, and I'm going over, I think. Yeah, this game is silly. I'm picking SMU. I think Virginia has struggled. They've struggled so much down the stretch. I don't have a lot of faith in them being able to win a game because they November was putrid for them. They didn't win a game. And there's a lot in flux. I know SMU also going through a coaching change. They're bringing in Rhett Lashley. I'm going to go with SMU. I just don't feel good about UVA. We've got two prop bets here, Mac. 
over under, this is looking forward to next year, over under seven and a half wins for Virginia next year under Tony Elliott. Whew, that's tough to predict. Listen, guys, I think he is going to be ready to win right away. I think this program is ready to win right away. With a couple of tweaks here and there, I'm going over. I think so. I think we see eight minimum from Coach Elliott in his first year, especially if he's able to keep this band together like I think he can. This offense is going to be special. When when you just can line up and play football instead of doing the tricky, tricky, let's put a quarterback at three different positions and try to do something, I think this team's going to figure it out really quick and, and in a hurry with Tony Elliott. I think Vegas would have this at six and a half. Ooh. And if it was six and a half, I would probably say over. But seven and a half is tough because then you're guaranteeing eight. I think seven and five is – and Virginia, they're not going to play um, Notre Dame and BYU next year back-to-back. That was brutal. At least I assume they're not. I haven't really looked at their schedule, but <laughs> if that's happening again, good grief. Okay, and our final prop bet here, Mac, does Brennan Armstrong throw for over 400 yards in this game? I should have said, does Brennan Armstrong play? That might be a better That might mm. be a better. Okay, assuming there. he plays. Does I he think throw over if he plays, yeah, I think so. I, I absolutely do. So I think if he's in there, it's what they do. It's their DNA. He's going to throw for over 400. That's a lot of yards. Um, but you're right. That is what Brennan does. That is what he does. I'll say under. Man, I'm such a Debbie Downer with Virginia right now. I just, <laughs> I picked them a few times in November, and they really let me down. It was rough. I understand. R-U-F rough. Okay. <laughs> Let's pick the Holiday Bowl, Eric McLean, NC State versus UCLA, 8 o'clock on Fox, December 28th. NC State's a one-point favorite. What's your pick, Mac? I am going with the Wolfpack, and I feel really confident in that. I think it's going to be right around that mark, so I'll go over, thinking it's going to be you know, 62, 63 points, but I'm feeling good about the Wolfpack's chances here. Mac, I am feeling good about the pack as well. As we said earlier, UCLA, they really struggle to defend the pass, and NC State... That, they're playing for a chance to go down in NC State history. This is a team that still feels like they have a lot to prove. I think NC State wins the game. I would take NC State minus one. And you do have that time change, but this game's at 8 o'clock, so I don't think it affects the players that much. And our prop bets here, Mac Devin Leary throws for three-and-a-half touchdowns over or under on this bet. Hmm. Guys, I'm going over. Because I think that's how they're going to have to win the game. I think they have to throw it. And we just told you how bad this UCLA pass defense mm-hmm. is. I think Devin Leary lights him up just because of that. Takes advantage. He's got his guys out there the last time that he will potentially be playing with. You know, a Mecca Mezzi, especially in college. Uh, so I think those two want to go out on a super high note. And uh, that they get to that four mark to finish the season. I say over on that one as well. Because this UCLA passing defense has been quite suspect is the word, Mac. All right. And then our last one here. The Wolfpack defense holds UCLA under 150 rushing yards over Mm. or under that mark. I am really struggling with this mark. I think I'm going to say that they don't. I I think UCLA rushes for over. I I really do. I I think that when you see who they are, what they want to do, I think they get to like the 170, 175 range. Mm -hmm. So sorry, Wolfpack, you're going to do great offensively, but not that you're struggling, but I think you give up at least 175. I think over is the play here. UCLA can really run the ball. That worries me. I still think NC State's going to win the game, but if UCLA is running the ball well and NC State still can't run it, that means UCLA is controlling time of possession a little bit. NC State's going to have to capitalize on their drives, not turn the ball over, but still feel good about NC State in this matchup. 
That's right, KG. Well, guys, that's it for this episode. We are going to have a couple of just jam-packed episodes for the rest of this week. I'm not giving you any hints, but Wednesday, we're going to have a really big guest. You're not going to want to miss that. You'll see it on social media. Thank you all for listening to Gramlick and Mac Lane, brought to you by our friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.